the three-point shot. And we're back with another episode of the three-point shot. I'm Zach. Ben is here. Colin is here. We're having i I'm having a good day. The Giants won and stay in first place in the NFC East. But we're not going to talk about football to start because I want to start off with talking about fun stuff that's going on in our lives. So for me, it's the Giants. But what about you guys? Uh, my friend graduated. We're, we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, delay talking about that. We're going to talk about you for a while now. I didn't graduate yet. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't graduate? You took pictures and you're fancy, um, like, Thomas. Yeah, it's a both. <laughs> ac- as I call it, the academic Thomas. Uh, graduation's on the 20th. It's in two weeks. That's my birthday. Yeah. I could have graduated on my birthday if I just worked a little bit harder. Wow. Your birthday is Zach's graduation. Me and my girlfriend's anniversary is the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're not laughing. It just happens to be. <laughs> We're yeah, not laughing I, at Pearl. I had never noticed that until I went over my grandfather's house and he has a calendar. And my grandfather is a mechanic. So, of course, his calendar has the day of Pearl Harbor on it. And I was like, I think it's technically uh, a national day of remembrance. Yeah, for, it is. For, even for those other than mechanics. Yeah, I suppose. But um, <laughs> it would be uh, weird if it was one specific profession. But speaking of days that will live in infamy for the Seahawks, this is not a good day. No, it's not. and you guys know my favorite players in the NFL that aren't on the Giants are DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson. So I was like really excited to watch them play today because I'm like, all right, unless, even if the Giants lose, like I get to see them. But then I got the better thing. I got the Giants winning and I got to see Russ, you know, attempt a Hail Mary at the end. And he just did not look good today. He got sacked a couple of times. Um, DK Metcalf was, you know, he's big, but uh, that's kind of his thing. He um, is large. Colt McCoy led the Giants to victory today. Colt uh, the franchise McCoy. And Wayne Gallman. But, uh, you know. When Colt McCoy and Wayne Gallman are doing the trick over Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, and we're in first place in the division, that ain't 2020, man. I don't know what is. If anything, though, these this four-game win streak is a testament to Joe Judge. Um, he's been doing a really good job. Our early season problems were not his fault. It was really just like the players not, you know, stepping up and the defense not doing their job. But since they've turned it on, they've been great. And he's been he's can't been- fight though. So I think I figured it out more than anything else is I think the Giants are bad when Daniel Jones turns the ball over. So clearly all the Giants needed to do was get Daniel Jones off the field and he can't turn the ball over anymore and they'll go undefeated forever. Exactly. I mean, that tracks for me. He is healthy to play. We play Arizona next week um, at home though. Like if we beat Seattle on the road, the rest of our schedule is like, listen, are we actually going to end up beating Arizona and, um, Baltimore, probably not, but it's definitely not like out of the question right now. I mean, you guys are almost certainly going to win the division at this point because you have, you beat the Washington football team in both of your matchups. So it ultimately doesn't matter what happens coming down the season. I think everybody and their mother knows that um, going into the first round of the playoffs, uh, it's not a trap game like it is when Washington or Seattle plays the Giants in the regular season there isn't really a team that deserves to be in the playoffs that should lose to anybody out of the NFC East really no exactly like it's going to be a miracle run no matter what it is if if there's a run of the playoffs otherwise we just become one of the worst teams to ever make the playoffs and we lose in the first round like they're supposed to like that's what like six speaking of speaking of worst teams though Jets so oh god I wasn't watching the game today and obviously my dad was because that's what he likes to watch, even though we're Giants fans. But uh, Oh, come on. These Jets are – these Jets, it's like rubbernecking. You know you shouldn't. You know it's terrible. Oh, it's fun, but It, dra- it fun draws bad. the eye. Exactly. So um, I saw that Ty Johnson had a touchdown, go-ahead touchdown late in the game. And then everyone was texting, God, the Jets are going to pull this off. I was like, oh, my God, Ty Johnson, Terp, game-winning touchdown. And then uh, my dad was like, the Jets, like in all caps in our group chat with me and my brother, and um, – he goes, and I go, yeah, Ty Johnson, game-winning touchdown. He was like, no, they lost. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, the Jets. The Jets. Oh, only the Jets. Oh, I, I loved today. Jets Jets lost in this is gonna be the Jets worst. fashion. This is going to be the worst 0-16 team ever. 
Yeah, I think pretty I think bad. worst zero sixteen team. I put them as the second worst team of all time. I put them right now. I put the original nineteen seventy six Tampa Bay Buccaneers will always for me be the worst football team ever, professional or worst NFL team ever. Uh, mostly because I feel like it's my role to have my worst team be someone from before we were born, That's... and I couldn't be like the nineteen sixty three Patriots. Um, that was a random year. I don't know if they were good or not. But it goes them, and then the Jets, and then the Lions, and then I was trying to remember: was there an zero and sixteen Dolphins team, or did they go one and fifteen? There's the only zero and sixteen teams are the Browns and the Lions. Yeah. Oh right. The, honestly, I think the zero and sixteen Browns are better than the one and fifteen Lions. When are they moving to uh, the seventeen game schedule? Do they know yet? Hopefully never, because I think they agreed I in mean, the CBA next year, isn't it? Though I, it's either, it's either I thought it had been confirmed. Out. Yeah, because it would be an eighteen-week season then. Um, Good lord. Uh, yeah, I just don't like that you can't finish can't finish five hundred then, just because like profound my eight and eight teams in the playoffs is my favorite thing. Just eight and eight in general was always just a good yardstick for being mediocre. So now you're always going to have a winning record or a losing record, barring a tie. Uh, it also helps put more winning teams in what will be an expanded playoff. So, which I like the expanded playoffs. Like you know, by is one extra team each league, and uh, it doesn't. Help. I just don't. I just don't think you need to expand the playoffs. I think enough teams make the because when, honestly, I mean maybe you know, SB Nation, team, but it creates one extra game, which is a ton more money for the league. So. Yeah, I get it's that a lot is... more money. I get it's a lot more money for the league, so I'm not surprised why the league is doing it. But I'm just saying from, like, a fan's perspective of, like, when has a team ever not made the playoffs that logistically really should have? Like, there was an Eagles team that probably should have. 2008 Patriots. They were, like, 10-6, and six and they probably should have made the playoffs, but they didn't. But also it was a team that the reason they didn't make the playoffs was because they lost all their last six games. Like – Forgot about that team. I don't really feel like there's a team that ever misses the playoffs that should be in, as opposed to I feel like in other sports, a lot of the time you feel like there's teams that make it that have no business being there. I think it helps. We saw it this year with baseball. Obviously, the season was shorter. So, like, you know, if a team was hot, you know, they, they made it. But, like, you got to see teams like the Marlins and the White Sox in the playoffs when in other years, you know, you haven't seen that for a long time. So, like, for those fan bases, I think it's nice to say, like, hey, at least we made it, you know, to the playoffs, and then it was cool to watch that. Like, you get that extra game for fans of teams that, you know, might always be, you know, if the Chiefs start becoming, you know, dominant in their division and they're going to win it every single year, you get an extra hope with that extra wild card. Yeah, I guess. But I do worry in a way that it might also rationalize a lot of, you know, unfortunately, a lot of systems in all major sports are it's a business and it's refined around money and when you make the playoffs you can say hey we made the playoffs we're not that bad and when you expand the playoffs at a certain point in time i feel like you reach a point where teams are going to start building to make the playoffs and that's it once there's enough teams because you can say hey we made the playoffs we don't suck and you'll drive attendance that way and you'll drive finances that way but you don't ever actually need to be good enough to be successful. Yeah. I mean, I just know, I just know whoever the first two seed is that loses that first round game, they wouldn't have had to play is going to be pissed, yeah, but it happens. Like, I don't know. I think it's part of that. Like, look this year in baseball, like both one seeds won against the eight seeds, but like they could have, they could have been close. The Padres beat the Cardinals, but that was, that no, was, I know. But just like, think about how pissed you think about how pissed you'd be as a fan. If like first couple of years of this, you get the two seed. We're still conditioned to be like, okay, two seed is safe. Two seed gives you like half a foot in the championship game. And then you get beat in a game that until a couple of years ago, you wouldn't have been playing. Yeah. It's the same as if you were like the home team and you lost the wild card game in the MLB. You get used to it. Yeah. But like the first yeah. couple of years, if you were hosting the wild card game, you would be like, we shouldn't even be playing this game. Yeah, like we I mean, should I be think, in the division series. I think, and it's obviously a different situation, but when the NHL went to their weird expanded playoffs where they said the first four teams out of each conference, two and two in each division, make the 
make the playoffs and then everybody else has to play that weird round robin. The Dallas Stars and I believe the Edmonton Oilers, the Dallas Stars have played less games than the Oilers but had a better point percentage, but the Oilers had won more games. So the Oilers had to drop into the round robin and the Stars made the playoffs. And then a lot of Oilers fans were really upset because they're saying we shouldn't need to be playing in the round robin. We shouldn't need to be competing for our lives here. Um, You know, and in the hindsight, obviously Dallas makes the cup final and the Oilers get bounced in the round robin. So Uh it, it looks like at the end of the day, that would have been the right call. But at the time, a lot of Oilers fans were really, really upset. They were saying, hey, listen, we won more games than Dallas. You know, we have more points than Dallas why are we being punished purely because we played more games? And it's when you expand the playoffs, you get these kind of things of like the extra team that shouldn't be there beats a team that deserved it. And the team yeah, that deserved but, it gets mad. And yeah, but it just kind of takes time to become the new normal in the end. You can, you don't have, if you don't be mad, you should have won the game. That's what it comes down to do better. I mean, or, I mean, yeah. or play in a sport that doesn't have playoffs. Like what? Shout out to Premier League Soccer. It, fans were back at Liverpool for the first time since oh, March. And, and it just it just made me really happy. And then we played really well. That's all the soccer I'll force you guys to listen to. Yeah, I saw yeah. Liverpool one today, but it looked like they played another team I hadn't heard of. Ooh, sad news, Colin, Billy. Mm. Uh, John Smallwood, journalist, passed away. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, he was sick for a while, apparently. All right, on to happier stuff. Um, are we done with expanded playoff talk or we keep going? Yeah. I mean, I think think generally my final thoughts on it is just, you know, how many teams need to make the playoffs? I get it's a financial thing and it's better for the league as a whole to have more teams in the playoffs. But at what point do you draw the line between so many teams are in the playoffs? Why don't we just reseed every team into a full league playoff as opposed to why do, why bother only shaving four teams out of the 31 or whatever? Well, I also don't like when uh, over half the league makes the playoffs, like in the NBA and what used to be the NHL. I think like if the MLB wants to keep <laughs> expanded playoff, they should expand, but they don't have the money or the you know the, the following right now to do that. But but Nashville, Vegas, I think would be great baseball cities. So anyway, moving on. Our podcast name is the Three Point Shot, and you know hit a lot of three point shots and had himself thirty three points this past uh, Friday against uh saint peter's is hakeem hart who uh was the man the other day the only good philadelphia athlete right now well him and dante scott dante scott had a double double him and dante both had great games what do you have 14 and 11 14 and 12 yeah something like that they were i mean double doubles a double double he's Uh, a good player yeah i mean both from philly colin if you're looking for positives it's those guys that's yeah, I suppose that's the positive. <laughs> also, Colin, if you're if you're looking for a personal positive, um, you've 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 made an impact in my house because I was showing it to pivot us to the to the Phillies. Unfortunately, just because I was very proud of my joke. I thought we um, were talk about them. <laughs> no, but just I needed to point out that I showed my dad when John Middleton said his thing about if they offered me Babe Ruth, I wouldn't trade him which I said is smart because Babe Ruth has been dead for the better part of a century. Um, But I I showed my dad that article and he went, oh, I know that name. And I went, how do you know who John Middleton is? He went, oh, your friend Colin hates him. (laughs) I went, that's very true. Thank you for listening. I I do hate him. It's a true story about that. My dad walks in on me today. I'm just sitting in, in a room of my house watching TV and he goes, I know we're not allowed to talk about him, but you see the news? I was like, what? (laughs) Because I, I completely was not in any way thinking about it. And he's like, no, nah, like the team that we don't talk about. Have you seen the news? I was like, no, I haven't. What, what's happening? He's like, they're, tr- they're open to trade in Wheeler. If they do that, I will set fire to everything I own related to that baseball team. And then it, yeah, so, so he and seems broken that they won't. Yeah, like, and then it broke an hour lie. or two later that it was all like allegedly BS reporting. Uh, and it's... You know, which means there's one of three options. One, it is BS reporting. Two, Middleton's lying. Or three, it was real reporting. Middleton saw the reaction to the original thing and then backpedaled his stance and changed his opinion when he realized he'd lose even more money uh, if he decided after two and a half years of rebuilding, after... So 
they rebuilt for the better part of a, the 2010s, like the entire back half of the 2010s. Um, and then the past two years, which are technically part of the 2010s, but those past two years have been rebuilding again. Um, if he decided that after like one and a half to two years of trying to rebuild the second time, that it was over and he had to blow it up and rebuild for the third time in a decade. Um, I don't know how he expects that would be a positive uh, for the team. Do you uh, think being a Phillies fan is how it feels the first time you watch the movie Inception? Just like, I don't know what's going on. There so, seems to be a lot of layers to this, and I'm pretty angry right now. Part of me thought you would only realize that of how much of a circus it is if you were as close to it as I was. And then I saw an MLB article um, because I just happened to accidentally open the MLB app um, on my phone. And it was like top 10 most ranking every baseball team on how likely they are to land JT Romito. Um, and I was like, <laughs> well, I, I hate being happy. So I'll click on this. Um Number one is the Mets, but number two is the Phillies. And the opening line of the article, and I'm probably paraphrasing, but the opening line of the article is straight up, well, when you look at the Phillies, it's hard to understand what they're doing. They don't have a general manager. They don't have a president of baseball operations. And their owner seems thoroughly confused with his plan to rebuild. Yeah. And I, I was like, so it's not just me. It is as bad as I think it is. But like, I wanted to tell you when we when we came up to this part of the podcast, after we talked last week, I was like, all right, let me look into Philly sports in general and see if it's really that bad. Because you had all the process stuff, which was bad for a long time and then was okay. Process is back, baby. We'll get there. <laughs> Flyers You I take know, care, you take care of Doc Rivers. Flyers, I know from you alone are probably the best run team. Yeah, I mean, I think the Flyers are, and it's it's funny that what it takes to have a well-run any athletic team. So, for those who don't know, the Flyers are owned by Comcast. Like the company Comcast owns the Flyers outright. And they are the most hands-off owners you could ever have. They just effectively put together a brain trust full of really good sports minds and said, run my team for me. And they're the best run team. So it's almost like when you have an owner, that's just like, yeah, I'm going to put qualified people in charge and then actually listen to them. You might accidentally put together a good sports team as opposed to an owner like the Phillies who gets in his own damn way too much. An owner like the Eagles who loves his team too much. And I don't even know what the heck the Sixers are doing, but you know, I'm enjoying the process, is, the so process the, is back. That's so that's I, all that know, matters. That's what I wanted to get into was I did some research on how Philly teams are run and the Philly, the Eagles are bad, but the Phillies are just a dumpster fire. It's terrible. It's like putting mozzarella cheese on a cheesesteak. Like it's not, it's, it's not great. No, it's a zoo. It's after last year, everybody it's expected. Hello. And it is not that literally, but I guess figuratively, yeah. Yeah, it's everybody expected after last year, you know, you'd fire the manager, obviously, and then they did. And you'd fire your GM and you'd fire your president of baseball ops and you'd turn over the entire staff and bring it in a fully new crew. So what did they do? They fired the manager and then they stopped and said, yep, that's good. Because the problem was with the coaching, not the way the roster was built or the dude who was – a lot of people have been suggested that Matt Klintak, who was our general manager, was really just a puppet for the president of baseball operations, I believe Andy McPhail, um, ironic name, uh, who was really just a puppet for the owner. So the Phillies are just rotten all the way to the core, uh, which gives me – literally no faith will be able to put it together like the eagles absolutely complete disaster everything is broken the general manager the coach every player on the field everything is terrible but the difference there is you have an owner who seems to at least on the surface really care about the product on the field and really care about the team so it seems as though you'd expect him to step in and make some decisions to try and make the team better but Middleton, especially with his comments this offseason, seems so money-driven. And the fact that Philadelphia fans are going to show up to watch the Phillies 
even if they're terrible. He's like, oh, I don't need to pay anybody. I, I, I can trade Gene Segura. I can not re-sign Raul Muto. I can trade Zach Wheeler and put together a raise level of like money ball team, but not actually do it money ball. Just hire a bunch of guys for nothing and field a double A team. And everybody in Philly is going to show up to watch them. And I'm going to make a bazillion dollars. It's unfair to Bryce Harper one. And less importantly, Joe Girardi, uh, who is a Joe Girardi's more important to you. You can't lie to us to me. Yeah. But to how much money they're giving each individual, Bryce Harper is more important to the Phillies than Joe Girardi. Joe I mean, Girardi. I'm going to be honest. Replace- really, the, the part about this quote, the Babe Ruth thing, just to, to go back, that, that calls me, is apparently he also said he wouldn't trade him for Ted Williams and Mike Schmidt, which I have a number of problems with. First of all, once you said Babe Ruth, we got the point. Yeah. Like, nobody was like, but would you trade him for other retired or deceased men? And second of all, Ted Williams and Mike Ted Williams would be a better trade because he's frozen and he might be brought back by science. <laughs> and also, Mike Schmidt is a still alive, and b if he were to come out of retirement, I'm pretty sure the Phillies would hold his rights. So he doesn't need to trade Zach Wheeler for Mike Schmidt. All right, all right. So, Zach Wheeler doesn't even know how to put on pants. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the the whole thing is, is run like a disaster. And honestly, if I was Bryce Harper, I would be absolutely livid. I signed long-term in this city because it was a city that supposedly was moving in the right direction. Everybody had told me that it was a team moving in the right direction. And yeah, they pulled up a yacht full of a truck full of money. Um, So it wasn't that hard a decision, but you want to win. And, you know, I love Bryce Harper and I think he's really bought into the city and I think he loves the city. But if the dude wants to win at this point, I can't imagine he stays this long. Like, I think you're going to eventually reach a point where we're getting a Jack Eichel with the Sabres kind of situation where you have this really, really amazing talent for long-term locked up with this team, but a team that has no direction. And at a certain point, you have to prove to this guy you're going the right way. Or he's just going to say, just get, just move me, get rid of me. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. It's not fun. I'm not having fun. We're loot. I've been under 500 every year I've been here. It's not my fault. Like, yeah. So I think it's just going to be a complete overhaul is what they need. Like, and, but I mean, you got to find a way to do it. I'd probably a sell a sale of the team. Yeah. uh, Going back to Maryland basketball, uh, how we got to Philly from Hakeem Hart. I mean, they're good. It's just the scheduling is crazy. I mean, they had four games canceled in one week. They had Towson canceled. Or no, they had um, Monmouth canceled, replaced with Towson, canceled. Then they had George Mason replaced with St. Peter's. Then they had James Madison canceled. So a lot of cancellations. This week, we have the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Now listen, that game is on Wednesday against Clemson at Clemson. But I'm not wishing for anyone to get COVID, but if Illinois and Clemson had to get COVID and shut down for a week, it would not be the worst thing right now because then Maryland and Duke would likely play each other. And that is all. Is that, wait, 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 wait. Is that something that like they would actually put those two teams together or something where they would both be free and then we just have to hope? Well, the Big Ten ACC challenge, if everything goes well, yeah. And Duke, who's playing Illinois, and Illinois goes out, and us who play Clemson, Clemson's out. They put us together, I think, or they'd cancel the Duke, game. Duke, I, I want to be mad, but I can't be mad at them putting Duke and Illinois together just because that is such a top-tier game. Oh, it's great. I mean, Michigan. Are they playing? Are they at Illinois? They're at Duke. Ugh. Michigan my, State destroyed Duke the other day. Among my other problems with Coach K is the fact that he ne- he will never play a true road game against a good non-conference team. Oh, no, 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 no. See, that's not up to him. ESPN sponsors and runs the Big Ten ACC Challenge, so they decide who's home and who's away. Okay, but this is a, this is a larger point, too, of if he yeah. went in early in the season, they normally play good teams. They'll normally play, like, Kansas or Kentucky or Michigan State, someone like that. It's always at Cameron or no, it's always at a neutral site. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Champions, the Champions Classic, which every year is Duke, Michigan State, Kansas, and Kentucky. They round robin every year at the beginning of the season. 
and they um, play at Madison Square Garden in the Champions Classic. Yeah. This year it wasn't at the Garden because the Garden didn't want basketball going on there or tournaments or whatever. So they moved it to Michigan State. was supposed to play Duke this year. So Duke said, okay, we'll host this year, but next year we'll travel to, to East Lansing. So Duke will have that, that road game uh, next year or in the future it's going to happen. But, yeah, he doesn't – but I, I understand your counterargument, but I think my point stands that he doesn't do it enough. I'm just saying we covered against St. Peter's on Friday. Duke did not cover against Bellarmine. Bellarmine, a school I had not heard of. And they're Division One. No. Yeah, they were minus. Is that a place where they mine bells? I, I don't know. I assume they are some sort of religious affiliated school, though, given that they are not good at sports and also called Bellarmine. Also, though, you could be well, religious affiliated and be good at sports. One way to find out. But there's one school that has a religious affiliation that uh, was not good at sports yesterday uh, because the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers beat the BYU Cougars. Uh, that was so awesome. That was so cool. I love Coastal ever since I visited at the beginning of COVID. And, uh, I mean, it's such a cool school. The, the Teal Turf, that team is electric. Mullet City. It is. Uh, Maryland basketball, also fun to watch. I've liked what I've seen so far. Like, we have no reason – like, there's no reason we can't hang in the Big Ten just because, like, Luca Garza's big is kind of the whole shtick. But, like, like we beat to him – To be fair, Luca Garza's eyebrows will knock a guy off his spot on the block. The it man's thick. Everyone on Maryland's team has been performing. Aaron Wiggins has been a little inconsistent, but Ayala's been money. Hart has been a huge surprise. Dante Scott has been great. We're seeing similar. I always compare Dante Scott to Bruno in terms of playing, like the, like the way they play and like the role they play, because Bruno is obviously more electric. He could fire up the crowd. Dante Scott's not going to do that. But other than that, they're very well, not this year. <laughs> Hush. That's what. Well, that's what I'm saying. Hush. <laughs> I mentioned this on the broadcast the other day, um, and it was interesting because Dante Scott, like he's already showing improvements that Fernando showed early on in his sophomore year. Speaking of being at the arena the other day for this game. So I talked about what happened at football a few weeks ago when I was at that stadium, but it was still a football game going on. There were parents in the stands and whatnot. This basketball game, it was just media and just the players and coaching staff and one mop kid. But anyway, no band. The TV announcers actually weren't even there. They were remote. So um i get there and it's just so quiet they're playing the warm-up music so that was normal but then while the players in the locker room just quiet they did some announcements at the beginning but like no sponsorships or anything they're just like welcome to xfinity center like for today's game like that was i think it would have been better if they didn't give the pa announcer a mic he just said to cup his hands and shout <laughs> so, welcome to xfinity center so throughout the game they, they pumped in crowd noise which during the football game, I couldn't hear it. During this, I could. And it was just so weird. So, like, I would take off my headset and you just hear, like, uh, like you know, the murder of – the murder – murmur of, cra- of crowd that wasn't there. And it was crazy. And the craziest thing was the, like, intro videos they do, like the Scott Van Pelt narrated one. And then, like, the Glitch Mob, Seven Nation Army type stuff, um, like, before the lineups. Um, they did that still. And they turned down the lights and everything. And I was like – this is so unnecessary. <laughs> like it was, it was just, it was so bizarre to be there. And it really made you think, why are we doing this? <laughs> but you know, that's my personal thing is like with how bad the pandemic is, honestly play conference games in basketball. Cause they're more important. Like as much as you like seeing matchups, you know, Maryland Clemson might be a good game. Why do we have to play it? Like I for the tournament, no, just make it you know top three finishers in each conference. Maybe. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I don't I don't care what sport it is. With how much I hate and we all hate, have registered on this podcast, Davos Swinney. Any chance to beat Clemson in anything, I'm in. Oh yeah, I'm I'm for it. like I'm ready. I I'm excited to play them because I think we're better. And it's a big it's a road game for us, and I think Clemson might even have fans. So that'll be uh that'll be interesting. What else is going on? I'm watching, uh, watching Big Mouth uh, in the middle of the season. It's kind of the same old stuff. I made a meatball sub for dinner. Uh, Ooh, yeah. returning to your New Jersey roots. Yeah, I was like, I'm really hungry, but I don't want to like cook, cook. So I had like frozen meatballs and pasta sauce, and I have some Italian rolls. So there you go. And I'm like, naturally, 
mozzarella or provolone. And I went with mozzarella. So um, that's what I uh, had. Wait, Colin, who had, who had the punt return touchdown for the Eagles today? Uh, Jalen Rager, actually. Oh. So has he overtaken um, – what's his name? Travis Fulgham? Fulgham had a drop, he, too. Fulgham, Fulgham's been invisible these past couple of weeks. Uh, he was on fire for four weeks and then invisible for the next four. Um, uh, I, I don't know what the deal is with Fulgham. Uh, obviously, Alshon Jeffrey coming back has cut into some of his some of his snaps. He's been getting less looks than he was getting before, but um, it's been it's been frustrating because it's. For those first four weeks, you know, he was on fire. He was coming down with everything, miraculous catches. And he's getting the ball in position to still make these same miraculous catches. And he's just not coming down with them anymore. He had a couple of he had a couple bad drops tonight. He was looked at twice. One was a terrible drop just before the two-minute warning, right before Hertz threw that pick uh, to Darnell Savage Jr. Uh, props to a turp, but um, Fulham has been weird. He's just kind of been thoroughly invisible. I'm not sure he's really caught a meaningful pass, uh, in a couple of weeks now. That was all just a, an elaborate ploy to get over to my, my boy Gunnar Olszewski, the pride of Bemidji State. Punt return touchdown, receiving touchdown, 45 nothing pass win over the Chargers. Oh, it was all beautiful. Interception, Jason Jackson. Did he have an interception? He I did have I an interception. That's paying attention seven on point. the season now. He's so good. Also, I'm just so glad Gunner got his punt return touchdown because he had one last week that got called back for one of the worst blindside block calls I've ever seen. And so just I was like, if you rob this man of his first career NFL touchdown, and this is a dude who might like not play for very long. So don't take this away from him, you referees. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, if a man's named Gunnar Olszewski, you can't take anything from him. From Bemidji State. What fun college football thing did I see yesterday that I found funny? I can't remember. Oh, well. Was it Mormons versus Mullets? Because that was pretty awesome. Oh, that was Just fun. as a slogan. Lee Corso is just a national treasure. Um, oh, the man's the, man's the best. Yeah, Pat McAfee is also fantastic. He's entertaining. Yeah, um, they're all they're all great. Reese Davis is the best in the world at what he does. Um, like, Reese Davis, when he does, when they get to the end, one of the most electric like thirty second segments in television is when they do when they're doing the picks at the end of game day, and it's the cut to the different camera angle, and they have the they have the they have the little inset that's the two teams playing each other. And Reese Davis stares down the camera and does the intro, and then it cuts to the hype music and the guys doing the interviews. Like, I get irrationally, like, it is not college football Saturday until that, like, turn and just locks with the camera. Yeah, that's that's staring into my crowd. See, so they start going nuts, and he could, and he like starts yelling over them. He's like, so he's like this, he's like. Yeah, so okay, that's the last game we're picking, but the main event tonight, and then he, the way he talks too, and like sometimes I heard he doesn't even have a script. Like if you watch, like I was watching, it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't have a script. UCF game day, and they were like at Disney World, and he was just making like constant Disney references about college football, like the entire intro. It was so fired up. Oh, there, no, them and them like, and inside the NBA star are the two best studio shows by far. Yeah. And it's like, they're going to the dance looking to be a Cinderella. <laughs> they're all just, oh, all of those guys are just, like, the, one, the ones who take it too seriously aren't good. But that's why guys, like, oh, like the guys who the guys who can be serious but are also, like, clearly having fun with it, like Reese Davis, SVP is a good example, Ernie Johnson to go back to Inside the NBA, which I love. Just the guys who are, like, their default setting is, like, kind of screwing around. I mean, like, we'll and then when they need to, they're like, no, but seriously, guys. Yeah, all right, not so fast, my friend. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but like the PTI guys, they made their living off that. Oh, they're excellent. Yeah. You know their story, right? They worked at the Washington Post um, yeah. across offices from each other. And then George Solomon, who was the Post sports editor at the time, was like, you guys should get a show. And then ESPN gave him a show. 
Um, is that the power George Solomon had? I don't think George Solomon a place a place, a place he did not work. He worked at the Washington Post. Yeah, he was like, yeah, you guys should have an ESPN show. I think the things just fell into place. Um, okay. But yeah, George Solomon. That would be a level of power I didn't know that man. Speaking had. of the Povich Center for Sports Journalism uh, at the University of Maryland, they're doing a panel on Tuesday with Tim Kirchin, Brandon Lau, and Adam Kalarik. Uh, Is it so, being live streamed anywhere? Yeah, you can join it. Just go on Twitter and then you can register for the thing. Guess who is going to be introducing the panel? Are you going to be moderating or just introducing? I'm just introducing. But oh. guess who has to prep tomorrow by going on a Zoom call with Tim Kirchin? Are you going to make fun of his voice? No, I've talked to him before. Um, I don't. Did you make fun of his voice those times? No, he's also very tiny, like much shorter. I'm, I'm aware that he is. Yeah, as I, somebody who's tiny and with a funny voice. Well, not so much a funny. Believe voice. it or not, Brockmire is a fantastic show. I think the loudest laugh I got in that whole show was when Tim Kirchin showed up on screen. <laughs> oh, he's, he's like, my favorite, some of my favorite YouTube clips are the ones where it's, uh, <laughs> where it's uh, J.P. Aaron Sevia. Doing like one of the, one of the best YouTube clips is from 2012 when Terry Francona, the one year he was with Baseball Tonight. And it's him at Blue Jays camp interviewing Aaron Sevia. And there's just a little like, side panel on the thing of just Tim Kirchin losing his mind. And then they cut back to him and he just goes, that is the stupidest segment I have ever been a part of. And I was like, you're damn right it is, Tim Kirchin. You're my hero. All right. Uh, want to move on to no more jobs? Or Always. No, we'll do no Always more. no more jobs. No more jobs first. I don't have one yet. So I call it Eric. Call I'm sure oh, Jesus. Can we just assume that John Middleton is your permanent no more jobs? Yeah, like, I, so I'm not going to say I'm not going to say John Middleton again every week. I think this week I'm going to say literally. Every, yeah, so it's it's obviously every week it's John Middleton and every week it is every single Eagle ever. Um, because even the everyone except Nick Foles, because he left before he could disappoint me. So. I'm going to go with actually just the NHL owners. Um, the NHL's fighting like hell to get back to play here. And so many of the owners and so much of NHL revenue is dependent on ticket sales because the NHL decided years ago that they were going to sign a fully exclusive contract with NBC uh, that absolutely screwed them. Terrible, terrible TV deals. So, all of the money is in gate sales and so many owners are throwing their hands in the air and like, yeah, uh, I'll lose money uh, if we play. So let's not play. Uh, but they're not thinking about the long-term implications of being the only major sport to not come back after the coronavirus on top of being the least popular sport in the United States of those four. Um, yeah. The NBA if, starting before Christmas is crazy. Like it's exactly. If the NHL doesn't come back, that's going to spell major problems for the league moving forward. A huge cap crunch, a whole lot of stuff, almost certainly extensive lockouts afterwards. Why is the NHL always the one with lockouts, by the way? Because it's one of the few leagues where the players have a relatively decent union. Um, The players' union pretty aggressively digs their heels in on certain things, but I'm mad at the owners, especially because so many of the owners agreed in the return to play thing. They renegotiated everything when they were returning to play after coronavirus started in the first place. Um, And after they did that, they signed this and everybody was like, Oh, well, we've recertified the CBA. There won't be a lockout anymore. We did it. And now they're going back and all of the owners are like, actually, um, that thing we agreed to, we thought coronavirus would be over. So we want to go back to the table and renegotiate. And the players union is like, no. <laughs> and the owners are like, well, we'll lose money if we don't renegotiate. So we won't play. And the league is like, could you please though? <laughs> so it's, it's a whole big mess. And I don't know what's going to happen. There have been reports recently that they've been getting closer to returning to play. And I can't imagine that they actually don't 
bring hockey back in 2021. But it's another situation, not unlike baseball, where it's just sometimes the the big wigs in the league are so money driven. They're not thinking about the long term effects of maybe you take a loss on this next coming year so that you don't take a huge loss five years down the line when the league's been hemorrhaging money because they didn't have a season for a year when every other sport came back. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Ben, who's your no more jobs? Whoever it is in whoever's camp, if this is, this is a preemptive, no more jobs. I was going to give it to whoever's been giving Deontay Wilder advice, uh, but he stopped accusing Tyson Fury of cheating. Um, so I'll, I'll let that go. Um, but whoever it is you've got who's preventing or making it seem like we won't get a fight at welterweight. This is grandpa talked about boxing between Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence, because they are respectively, they are the top two ranked welterweights by the ring magazine. They are, they hold three of the four major welterweight belts. The other one is held by Manny Pacquiao, who's 41 years old. They are respectively 30 and 33. And for some reason, it seems like they're not going to fight each other, despite the fact that it would unify the titles and pretty much seems like what everybody wants. So whoever the money people are, get out of here, because I want to see them fight. I want to see them unify their three belts and then have a rematch. And then whoever comes out of that with the belts, if Manny Pacquiao hasn't retired yet, which he won't have because he'll never retire because he's going to box till he's a million. Then you fight. We have an undisputed welterweight title. During that time, we also have an undisputed heavyweight title. During this time, I chart my rise as a boxing promoter. And then I decide who fights who at all times within the next 10 years. And then the sporting world is fixed. Okay. I hope that happens soon because my no more jobs also pertains to boxing. And my no more jobs of the week is Floyd Money Mayweather. Dude, you do not need any more jobs. You can retire. But I don't know if you guys saw, today he announced he's coming out of retirement this February to fight Logan Paul. Okay, I'm going to be honest. I I don't like Floyd Mayweather. I don't like that he's doing this. I'm okay with it. If he knocks out Logan Paul, fine. Absolutely. Floyd Mayweather might have lost to Pacquiao. That was his, you know, that was late in his career. That was a tough match. They were both getting up there, but Pacquiao might have had an edge. Nope. Mayweather won it. McGregor didn't have the boxing experience, but hung with him. Still, Mayweather wins by TKO. He didn't, he he didn't hang with him. Here. Mayweather carried fights. him. Now he comes out of retirement for, I don't know boxing that well. I know Floyd Money Mayweather is going to beat Logan Paul. I don't care that Logan Paul is taller and younger. Floyd Mayweather will win and he will win easy. And I embarrass him in all the pre-fight stuff, and he will continue to just be a laughing stock. Uh, not a laughing stock because he has more money than uh, anyone can ever imagine, but he will just continue to represent the sport. I think poorly. I don't know boxing that well, but I assume Floyd is considered He's, a legend, but also like, bro, you did your thing. Like, step away. It's. I think sort of. I don't quite know. My question. He's, he's what? Does he need this? No. All right. Not at all. No more jobs. No, no. So, okay. Somebody needs to beat up Logan Paul. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Somebody at some point, somewhere in a public setting needs to beat up Logan Paul and preferably his brother as well. That being said, I think, yes, I think Floyd does have a fair amount of respect just because a, he's such a good boxer, like technically. Like, I'm not your revolutionary, but he did a lot of stuff really well. And he reinvented himself as a fighter a few times. And then also just in terms of like, in a sport where most of the time the power financially and sort of just generally resides with like promoters and matchmakers and that sort of stuff, for him to have as much power as he had is sort of a model that I think people try to follow of like, okay, I'm not like doing this for the promoters and stuff. Like I am taking care of myself first. So I don't think he's ever going to be someone who's like a laughing stock within the boxing community. Um, 
I mean, we'll see. There's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of silly stuff in this weird center of a Venn diagram, Venn diagram between YouTubers and UFC fighters and boxers where they're all challenging each other to fights. And like, it's, you know what, as long as a certain number of them get beat up, fine, whatever. Yeah. What, um, all right. Uh, bold predictions then. Uh, who wants to go I don't even know what's going on this week. Yeah, like I don't either. Um, Daniel Jones bench for Colt McCoy. <laughs> Daniel Jones, if anything, he just won't like be be healthy. But... Uh huh. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> Colt McCoy Ooh. not that impressive today, but he did not. He was not bad. So all right, I I got my bold prediction. Go last, I'm I'm pretty unhappy that mine last week didn't come through because I don't even my... what it was last week. My, I, I predicted the revolution would uh would take the crew to a penalty shootout, and I was incorrect. They just lost. But uh, tomorrow, my hero and yours, and friend of the podcast, Dane St. Clair, he's going to pitch another shutout. Because oh, you don't get you don't score on playoff Dane St. Clair. What round of the offs are they in now? They're, he's in the Western Conference Finals right now. And that would be – and then they move on to the, the MLS Championship after Yep, that? he is two wins away. He is 180 scoreless minutes away, provided that his team can score, which is not a guarantee. But yeah. Se- Seattle, Seattle having a having a bad bad day sporting wise today is going to get worse tomorrow because because they are going to need to like injure him pretty badly in order to sneak one past old Dane St. Clair tomorrow. Shut out Minnesota United taking on Columbus Crew in the MLS finals. Bold prediction. Okay, I just looked up how long the NLS has been around. Since 96. 25 years. Cool. Who has won the most? Gotta be the LA LA Galaxy. Galaxy. LA Galaxy with five wins, yeah. Yeah, They had David Beckham. New York Red Bulls have never won NYC. (laughs) NYCFC hasn't been around that long, though. I just don't like NYCFC because every Yankees first baseman has complained that every other week they have to like rip up the dirt to put like and like mess up to put the grass in. And uh, I genuinely thought you were going to say you don't like them because Borja likes them. And I was going to be like, you know what? That's fair. Yeah, no. that's a respectable opinion. Yeah, they play at and ruin Yankee Stadium. So uh, I believe the Yankees and their fans ruin Yankee Stadium. Yeah, yeah, I also think that's true. My bold prediction this week, because I think mine have a history of not coming true, is that the Mets will sign DJ LeMayhew. So that's my bold <laughs> prediction. Wink. Alan? <laughs> uh, geez. Um, man, I really have no idea what on this planet Earth could be a bold prediction when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles at this point. Uh, you know, I guess I would say the bold prediction would be Hurts starts next week. Now, your bold prediction should be of an NHL season will get played and it will start this week they'll announce (laughs) not that bold um okay i'll do since you want me to do nhl i will make the prediction that this week we will definitively hear one way or another what the nhl is planning on doing okay god i hope so they like they got they have to come on like they're not gonna i I heard most recently that there's been talks about a 56 game season starting mid-january but these are still all the beginning of talks it, it's incredibly bold for talks to move fast enough that we know what's happening this all week. Right. All right, I got, I got it. One day, marathon, 31-team, penalty shootout tournament. Oh. No yeah, actual no, hockey takes place. I have no idea what would happen. I believe whoever has TJ Oshie would win. Uh, well, they'd need a goalie, too. They have Ilya Samsonov, I believe. Oh, real quick. I got a question for you guys. This is a debate my friends and I were having. In the United States. You have other friends? In the United States of America, which athlete is more famous and more well-known? Alex Ovechkin or Alex Smith? Ovechkin. United States? Yeah. 
Probably. Easily Ovechkin. Easily Um, Ovechkin. You could get Alex Smith just because, like, I think he was in the normal news. Yeah, Yeah, but I feel like it's so easy to forget about it. I think more than anything, I think it's going to sound stupid. I think more than anything, by virtue of the fact that his name is as basic as Alex Smith. That's another good He might point, genuinely actually. fade into people's memories. You're not going to forget a dude named Ovechkin. What? Yeah, no, I, I think it's Ovechkin. Um, most, that, most I think people... that's probably correct, but... All right, yeah, that was, that was, I like that kind of topic. Like, who's more famous, like, in the yeah. Like, uh, do, do more people know who Alex Ovechkin is, or do more people know who Alex Smith is? And, uh, I think I think you're more likely if you met them both. I think you're more likely to remember Ovechkin than Alex Smith. I'll say that. I don't know. It depends how you met confidence. him. It depends how you met him. You know, if you met Ovechkin in a bar, or you met Alex Smith while you're putting his leg back together. Uh, Ooh. Even then, I think Alex Smith is so boring. It would be like, hey, didn't you do major limb-saving reconstructive surgery on some football player? Yeah, I, I think so. Hey, weren't you at a meet and greet with a hockey player? Yeah, Alex Ovechkin. That dude's out of his mind. Um, okay, I got I got some scoop here from ESPN stats. They said that in the Jets game today, uh, they were down. It was the final 15 seconds, and they were down by four to eight points, and or the other team was down by four to eight points. Between four and eight points. I feel like we could pin an exact number on it. It was and four. They 40 or more yards to the end zone. That situation has happened 252 times in the last 15 years. So they needed a touchdown. Yes. The, the Raiders needed a touchdown. Yes. That's you, you're overcomplicating it by saying four to eight points. You've been down needing a touchdown within 10 seconds. Yeah. Within 15 seconds with that score, they were the first defense to send six plus pass rushers out at that time. Why would you blitz? They need a touchdown. My says they are intentionally tanking. Yeah. I mean, yes. That's the reason they haven't fired Gase is because he's the tank commander. Who can, who can you fire him when the season's over. Gase? You fire him when the season's over, but you don't have a dude that will accidentally lose you games quite as effectively as Adam Gase will. Exactly. All right, that was my final thought. You guys got anything else? I, no, but I think the fact that we've had one thought between the three of us makes us better coaches than Adam Gase. Hire me, <laughs> hire me, Detroit Lions. I can coach better than Matt Patricia. <laughs> hey, I'm unkempt with a weird, weird, scratchy beard, so I think I am the perfect successor to Matt Patricia. Would you, you count in the Bill Belichick coaching tree? Um, boy, if if. <laughs> Dreaming could make it so, then yes, I would. But and remember when you officially applied to be an XFL coach? I completely had forgotten about that. But you know, they hired June Jones, so I think they've made a mistake. All right, uh, that's all we got. Come back next week for more three point shot. For Ben and Colin, I'm Zach. See you later.